Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I'm Audrey Goh, Senior Cross Asset Strategist from Standard Chartered Chief Investment Office. And on this episode of the podcast, we deep dive into the topic on energy transition. Joining me today for this conversation, I have the pleasure of welcoming Ramon Estarella, an investment specialist from the Global Equity Team at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Energy transition is exactly what it sounds like. It is a long-term structural play on the energy system where we shift from one dominant energy source to another. Previous episodes of energy transitions includes the shift from wood and charcoal to coal and from coal to oil. Each transition was accompanied by disruptive technologies to disrupt the, to the then dominant fuel to another, and they have clearly provided higher standards of living for all of us over the decades. And yet at the same time, it also came with downside risk for people or companies, especially in those areas which are being disrupted. Scientists have cited evidence to show that the large amount of greenhouse gas emission and air pollution is detrimental to life on the planet causing changing weather patterns, higher frequency of extreme weathers, loss of biodiversity, and putting pressure on our ecosystem, food production, and quality of life at risk. The call to transition towards cleaner energy is a call to address these issues, which we can't ignore. So Ramon, in this call to energy transition, what is it that needs to be changed in terms of the way we produce and use energy today? Yes, uh, thank you, Audrey, for the question. Hello and welcome, everyone, to this podcast. Um, actually, the, the Paris Agreement that, that was concluded in December 2015 at the what it's called Conference of the Parties, um, uh, many, many countries, over 150 countries, actually signed um, to an objective to limit global warming to no more than 2 degrees Celsius um, before with respect to pre-industrial levels. What happens today is that governments, business, businesses and investors are equating the Paris um, uh, alignment with achieving net zero emissions by 2050. And the global energy system is at the heart of addressing climate change because it is responsible for 70% of emissions today. Now, according to the Global Renewables Outlook in 2020, which is published by the International Renewable Energy Agency, IRENA or IRENA, Energy-related CO2 emissions have actually risen by 1% per year over the past decade. While the health uh, shock that we are suffering and the oil slump that actually accompanied this health uh, shock may suppress emissions in 2020 and has suppressed emissions in 2020 by approximately 5%, a rebound would restore the long-term trend. Uh, Furthermore, we have global population growth by about 2 billion uh, people by 2035, uh, urbanization on the up, and rising incomes also, which will continue to increase energy usage, putting additional pressure on the climate. To balance this rise in demand and the rise in um, CO2 emissions, renewable energy, wind, solar, biomass, hydrogen, needs to grow from 19% to 60% of the energy mix by 2050 in approximately 30 years. This presents, in our opinion, an unprecedented opportunity 
for innovative companies providing solutions for decarbonizing, decentralizing, and digitizing the global energy system in an effort to reduce energy-related emissions by as much as 70% in just 35 years to achieve the Paris scenario. So you mentioned about decarbonizing, decentralizing, and digitizing. Um, Can you elaborate for the listeners, what are all these growth areas about? Actually, decarbonizing means producing energy that does not emit high levels of greenhouse gases by burning oil, gas, or coal. Uh, For example, biofuels or fuel cells, green hydrogen, and other renewable energy sources such as wind, solar, hydro, or geothermal power. Decentralizing uh, entails investing in companies that store that energy. Storing energy for future use is actually the Achilles heel, according to uh, to some experts of the energy transition. Or um, promote more sustainable modes of transportation. Here, we are talking about power infrastructure networks, um, alternative shipping, alternative vehicles, and of course, electric vehicle batteries, to name a few. And lastly, digitizing is about looking for technology that will make us much more efficient in the use of that energy. This could be in the form of uh, solutions targeting the optimization of energy or control, industrial automation, advanced light and recyclable materials, or green minerals and metals. We may thus conclude that in order to achieve these targets, we should, in our view, produce energy that is less dependent on fossil fuels, be much more prudent in our use of energy, and adapt our infrastructure to distribute and store energy more efficiently. So if we were to look back to past episodes of energy transition, uh, we've basically seen uh, rapid technological changes and innovation, which has helped bring about greater adoption of the newly introduced fuel. For example, the need for coal was driven by the then Industrial Revolution, and as the technology to produce coal and to transport coal improved, the demand for coal further escalated. Then there was oil, which was initially introduced to replace whale oil for lighting. And when the idea of having it as a a personal transportation took off after World War II, and with improved production capacities, there was a mass production in automobile, which subsequently led to a boom for oil demand. So with the current transition that we are seeing today, what are some of the technological innovations that you see driving its uptake for renewables? And also, what are some of the mega trends that you can share with our listeners that are shaping this energy transition? Actually, we see exceptional growth and potential disruption coming from green green hydrogen, which is, is a very abundant element on Earth, and it's a source of renewable energy extracted through a chemical process from water, and also fuel cells, which are batteries using hydrogen. Um, as a source of energy. I think these areas have been targeted by the European Union and China in recent environmental policies, and they could and will transform the way we move heavy equipment. And now a word about the Biden infrastructure plan announced uh, this 31st of March. Um, it is a plan with over $2 trillion, and actually the plan is a, is a very big step uh, forward towards aligning efforts of many nations around the globe to tackle cri- climate change. The plan is going to give support for electric vehicle deployment. It is planning to build 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations in the next uh, nine years, enabling automakers to spur domestic supply chains from raw materials to parts, retooling factories to compete globally, 
and supporting American workers also to make batteries and EVs. On another note, the continued decline in wind and solar costs have actually accelerated the disruption of traditional infrastructure in 2020. And in our opinion, this trend shows no sign of stopping. So I've been highlighting historical examples. Perhaps let us now look to the future. Because of innovation, market forces, uh, we have seen renewable energy such as solar, wind, uh, and geothermal alternatives are sometimes even cheaper than traditional fossil fuel in a growing number of countries. What does this evolution in the global energy system mean for the renewable energy sector? In our opinion, the transition towards a diff- this different energy mix which we are experiencing uh, may not be very smooth and uh, will depend, among other things, um, on the evolution of the costs of renewable energy generation and storage uh, versus the same costs at uh, fossil fuel plants. On top of this, we see the energy transition as being not only about renewables. We should focus our attention also on energy productivity, electrification of transportation, new energy carriers, and carbon capture, storage, and usage. Uh, innovation in those areas could be actually the tipping point that accelerates this change. Again, uh, according to Irina, the energy sector has started changing in promising ways with uh, widespread adoption of renewables and relating technologies boding well for this sustainable future. Renewable technologies are dominating the global market for new power generation. Solar panels and wind are increasingly the cheapest source of electricity. It even has deflationary elements in many markets, and most renewable power sources will be fully cost-competitive within the next decade, according to IRENA in 2019. And renewable power generation is now growing faster than overall power demand. The share of modern renewable energy in the final energy consumption has increased only slightly since 2010, sorry, staying around a threshold of about 10%. And of course, the estimates from IRENA is that that share of renewables will probably be over 60% by 2050. So you have shared with us some of the positive, very positive long-term drivers around the energy transition themes. Um, however, we've also seen much volatility in the markets behind some of these ideas, including renewables, uh, electric vehicles, and the related supply chain. So what are your thoughts behind what's driving some of these market volatility? Actually, what has happened uh, this year, 2021, mostly starting in mid-March and going all the way through mid-May approximately, is that many investors are worried about increase uh, a potential increase in inflation. Uh, they are worried about increases in long-term interest rates. And they are actually, some of them, shifting their portfolios towards value stocks, towards stocks that are actually um, undervalued um, and that could have maybe more potential in the future. Um, uh, to have a better evolution in the stock market. And I think most, or we think most of these elements that have actually uh, provoked uh, selling off of some of the companies in the environmental space are mostly technical. If we look at fundamentals, actually, um, a large percent, the majority actually of the companies that are in this space uh, have surprised positively uh, in terms of their growth prospects they have a lot of cash on their balance sheets and their order book keeps growing. Plus, there's the tailwind of uh, the policy, let's say, uh, and regulation that is pushing governments and, of course, the private sector to invest more in 
decarbonizing, decentralizing, and digitizing the energy system. So we think it's mostly being a technical uh, movement of the market, and we are still very, very positive around the fundamentals of these companies. Great. So what could be some of the areas that you believe would be more attractive to investors with the recent correction? And also, what can we look forward to to this space longer term? Um, actually, the energy um, uh, transition is underpinned by the increase in energy demand, but we need to limit emissions. Uh, this means that there will be a substantial change in the global energy mix and the emergence emergence sorry, of new energy efficiency uh, solutions. This is just the beginning, probably, of a multi-decade journey that requires substantial investment, one which amounts to around $90 trillion dollars in the next 30 years, according to IRENA, uh, to change the energy mix that we currently have. Some of the companies in the space are showing, as I said before, very steady growth figures in an addressable market that is also growing very steadily. So in our opinion, the environmental solutions universe is showing growth figures that are difficult to find elsewhere, but these innovative uh, companies are poised for strong growth in the long run. We think that the opportunity cost of missing out on the investments generated by this transition is simply too high. Uh, historically, in periods of transition, have actually turned out to be very rewarding because there's a lot of dispersion in valuation uh, that tends to increase during this period. So it is important in our view to put emphasis on, as an investor who wants to participate in this theme, on thematic uh, knowledge, on top-down, of course, knowledge and macro knowledge, technical know-how, stock selection, of course, in order to benefit from these dispersions. Investors should also take advantage, in our opinion, of these short-term headwinds uh, to increase investments in companies that have established strong barriers to entry and a competitive technological advantage with respect to their peers. Thank you for your insights, Ramon. That's all very useful. So that's all for today's episode of Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publication, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you have enjoyed our discussion, please do rate and review us whenever you get your podcast. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.